Hi, and welcome to the podcast ministry of New Life Church in Springfield, Ohio. We hope that the transformative truths of God's Word impact, challenge, and bless you. I do appreciate the fact that God is faithful, that He is strong, that He's on our side, and He is ever-present. He, he has something to say. You know, it's not just like you're going back to the same old things, uh, you know, and, and expecting the same old things again and again and again. There's a, I don't play a lot of video games, but I play this old strategy game, you know, on, you know every once in a while I'll get back into it. And uh, it, it, I've beat it so many times. I beat it so many times. I beat it more times than Michael's beat Josh at Call of Duty. Amen. <laughs> Allegedly. I, 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 and it's just old, you know, it's, the graphics are terrible. And then I do it again and again and again and again. But I just still, I still enjoy it, but nothing ever changes. It's just still as not gratifying at the end as ever. But when, I tell you what, whenever we get in the presence of God, I don't t- care how many times you have read the word, how many times you've been to church, um, what, I don't care how many times you've had an encounter with God, he is alive, and there's just so much to this book. There's so much to who he is that 2,000 years later, after you know, Jesus has already gone to prepare us a place, he is still moving, he is still changing us, he is still uh, alive. And you can, I, I can open up the, you know, I remember one time God proved me a point in my ministry because I, I was just you know, struggling so hard as a young preacher, not really able to feel like I could connect or, you know, even partly string two sentences together in the right way. And I remember the first time that I felt like I did a decent job. I didn't feel like, you know, some Billy Graham, but I just felt like I didn't, you know, just drop the ball terrible. And then, you know, a great preacher had told me that was one of the finest, you know, young, young man, that's a really fine message. And I was like, wow. And then I remember looking at that and I was like, I'll never be able to preach that one again, though, because I already used that illustration. I already used that passage of scripture to preach this point, and, and, I, and I'll just never be able to do good again. I don't know why I thought like that. And then later on, God illuminated that same passage just mind-blowingly in a totally different direction, totally different way, and God just showed me, wow, this is alive. This is not about you or your ability to deliver the word. The word of God is alive. It's challenging us. It's changing us. It's impacting us even today. Amen? I want to go to uh, three different passages. They're all in John, and they all kind of run together really uh, pretty well, uh, talking about the Holy Spirit today. Talking about who? The Holy Spirit. We're talking about Him. The third person of the Trinity. Not, not it. Not, not just, uh, not, it, it is, the, He is. He is the third person of the Godhead. Amen. And I want to do a little bit of reading, a little bit of teaching uh, today. In John 14 and verse 15, we're going to do 14, 15, and 16. There's a, there's kind of, they all kind of run together uh, a little bit here. So John 14 and 15. It says, if you love me, keep my commandments, and I will pray the Father. I will pray the Father. That The English doesn't sound quite right there, does it? I'll get to that in just a second. I will pray the Father, and he will give you another helper. Now, KJV, it's probably comforter. A helper that he may, he may abide with you forever. Somebody say forever. Verse 17 says, the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. Going down to verse 25. These things I have spoken to you while being present with you, but the helper, the Holy Spirit, 
whom the Father will send in my name. He will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all things that I've said to you. See, there's a different things right there, right? Um, because sometimes we hear, we understand, we know, and, and we need to be reminded. Can any parent tell us, uh, you know, say amen on that? Uh, it's not just enough that they know what they're supposed to do. Sometimes they need a help to be reminded of what they ought to do. Sometimes we are the same. Like, we know what the Bible said. We know, you know, how we're supposed to act, but sometimes we need that Holy Spirit uh, to help us with a little, you know, a little kick, a little remembrance to what we, uh, we already know. We've been informed, and we need to re- be reminded. It's not good enough just for the one time. He'll bring to your, your remembrance the things that Jesus has said. Now, something's important to understand is Jesus never calls the Holy Spirit it. You know, 90 times the Holy Spirit is mentioned, never calls the Holy Spirit, it always calls him he or him. That's important for us to know and understand, right? So now we're going to go all the way. I'm going to give Sister Charlotte a workout uh, today. Uh, we're going to go to John 15. We were just in 14 and read a bunch of you know, passages. Now we're going to go to 15, starting out in verse 26. But when the Helper comes, who I shall send to you from the Father. Remember the active role that Jesus is playing here. And making sure that we have this comforter. You know, he, he, in the first passage of scripture that we read, he said, I will pray the Father. Now, you think about old English, you're like, you know, I, you know uh, give, me, give me some bread, I pray thee. Does that sound like it might work like in an old English sentence, right? I pray thee, um, I pray you. Uh, it, it also is translated ask. So usually that particular word will be translated as ask. So I will ask the Father. I'm going to go before him. I'm going to ask him that he sends the Holy Spirit to you because I know you need it because I can't be here. So I'm going to ask the, the Father to send to you the Holy Spirit. The Spirit of truth who proceeds from heaven, from the Father, he will testify of me. Who's me? Jesus. And you will also bear witness because you have been with me from the beginning. Now, I've got one more passage I want to go and we're going to go to John 16. Nevertheless, in John 16, 7, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I depart, I will send him to you. And when he has come, he will convict the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. Of sin because they do not believe in me. Of righteousness because I go to my Father and you will see me no more. Of judgment because the ruler of this world is judged. Verse 12 says, I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. However, when he, the spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth. And he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak. And he will tell you the things to come. He will glorify me, and he will take of what is mine and declare it to you. Amen. Let's bow our heads. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much um, for the, the clarity of your word. It is clear. It is understandable. It's not, even for someone as simple as me, it's not such high-minded, deep theological um, you know, content that a person cannot come to the water and just drink. And I thank you, Lord, that even the deepest truths, that your Holy Spirit is here to teach us, to help us to understand, to, 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 to describe and to lead us and guide us in all truth. We thank you, Lord. Uh, Bless this simple message. Encourage our hearts in Jesus' name. Amen. Praise God. 
I want to talk to you for a couple minutes about the unfinished job of the Holy Spirit. The unfinished job of the Holy Spirit. Now, it's not unfinished because he just can't get it done, right? Because that, that's how it is sometimes. You ever get into a, the middle of a project? I know me and Brother Keith talked about fixer-uppers one time. And you just, did, did you end up just like tagging out of it entirely? Okay, I understand. I get it. And he said, you know what? Let somebody else take it from here. I'm done. I, I don't need it no more. I don't, you ever get into a project that just overwhelmed you and you did not know, you tore something out, you're like, oh, I didn't know that was in there, you know, I didn't know it was going to be like that, um, so now I just want to be done with it. Sometimes that's how we can be, you know, whether it's sanding down the doors and then, you know, painting them, you know, a couple of years ago when we agreed we were going to and I just finally got around to, uh, to finishing the, you know, the project, sanding them down and then painting them again, oh, can't stand it. Derek and Emily just got a new house and they're, they're, they got all these projects lined up. However, it's not so much like that with the Holy Spirit. He don't just start things and not finish them. Like, he finishes things. However, uh, there are other kind of jobs that are not like sanding down the doors and you know, having to you know, paint them and that kind of stuff or just something with a simple end. Sometimes it's like laundry. I'm, I'm, I didn't come here to blast you. I didn't come here to rebuke you <laughs> out of your own mouth. Anyway, um, <laughs> this is totally about something different. Laundry is never done. Can the mom say amen? amen? Amen. Laundry don't never get done because even, even as you finish it all up, fold it, put it away, everything's good, you can just see them kids out there making them more dirty, making their clothes dirty. You can just see, them, see it happening in real time, and you know it's going to wind up on the floor. It's, gonna be, it's never going to be done. You, you, it's, it's like dishes. You know, No matter what, you don't ever get the dishes totally done because you're not done living. You're not done eating. You're not done wearing these clothes. You know what I'm talking about? There are some jobs um, that, that are continuous. They're never going to be done entirely. And I came here to tell you, to preach to you something very important today that you will not hear everywhere, not even in every church, and that is that the work of the Holy Spirit is not done. What he came to say, he hadn't said all of it yet. What he came to convict, he did not convict all of it yet. He is here still, and his work isn't done. So people need to stop trying to keep him from continuing to do what he came to do. Because there are a lot of doctrines contrary to Scripture that will take a cessationist view that the Holy Spirit, He came, He did His thing, you know, He messed around, you know, and did a lot of cool stuff there in the book of Acts, and then as soon as that's done, we don't need Him no more. We don't need that kind of activity in our church, in our life, you know, in the Christian world anymore. But let me tell you, He's not done. The Holy Spirit is still here. And one of the reasons why the world's in as bad a shape as it is today is because he sent a helper that we don't let help. Now, there are some people who come and they help you. And it takes you twice as long. You know what I'm talking about? You know, you got, you got to learn that. You know, dads sometimes they are like, you know, can I come and help you? Oh, man, you, just by your help is going to turn this into a three-day project. I've had that kind of help before. But the Holy Spirit, if you think you can build it without him, you're building it wrong. And it will not last. We need his help. He, we need that kind of help. Amen. Some people don't like that. And we're going to talk a little bit about why. But he came. He was sent. And Jesus prayed and earnestly asked the Father that his job that Jesus had started that a helper would come, and he's still not done. Is he done in your life? Amen. He's not done in my life. Reading through this passage of Scripture, all these passages of Scripture, 
there were some things that I wanted to, to, uh, to discuss with you a little bit, to inform you, to, uh, to remind you what he came to do. Number one, he came to help. How many times did it say he came to, if, if, I, if I don't go away, I can't send a helper, and that helper that you need has come. He came to help each and every one of you. Now, I didn't just come to help you work on the things that matter the most to you. He came to help you to do what you're supposed to do, what we need to do, which is to build his kingdom, to glorify him. He came to help you to be who you're called and created to be. Now, I remember a couple weeks ago, I talked a little bit about that, a little bit about the, 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 the parakletos, which is the one who comes beside. And, I, and, I, and Ben was here, and I mentioned that he is a paramedic. A paramedic is not just like a regular medic. He's not just a doctor. He's one that comes alongside. The prefix para uh, means to come alongside. Medic being you know, somebody who is involved in medicine, somebody who's there you know, to do the work of healing. Um, there are a lot of words in prefix that have prefixes like that. Do you remember uh, Jesus teaching parables? Some of us kind of remember, Jesus would, you know, kind of teach some almost down-home style stories. You know, he'd talk about farming. He'd talk about, you know, agriculture and different things. He'd talk about sheep. He'd talk about people. And it would, it, the, the word uh, parabole, parable, um, is, when it's translated, it's kind of, the, it's, it's got the same prefix. And bole just means to kind of to, to throw out there a little bit. Para means besides. So what Jesus would literally do is he would... Uh, he would lay out a story alongside the truth. He'd be like, Here, here's what the kingdom of heaven is like. So he's teaching the truth. This is what the kingdom of heaven is like. And I'm going to lay out a story beside it, you know, alongside of it. So that, that way you can comprehend, kind of understand, and make it click. Like, oh, the heaven, you know, kingdom of heaven is not necessarily about sheep, but it is like that, right? The, para, the parakletos, the helper, the one who comes alongside and helps. I'm doing a little more teaching than preaching today, and that's, that's okay, right? Amen? Now, I guess we'll go right ahead. He came to help. That's, that's number A. Number B, he came to teach all things. Amen? Which doesn't give us a lot of room because, you know, if we thought we knew it all, right? He came to teach us all things. The Holy Spirit will teach. He will help us to learn of him, of his word. He'll help us to learn about the world around us. He'll help us to learn about society and how we ought to treat our brother. A lot of the issues and problems um, today are not going to be settled in a court of law. They're not going to be settled in Congress. God help us. They're not going to be settled in, 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 you know, in the House or the Senate. Um, if they are to be settled, the word of God has the final say. That's what we need to be turning to and to see how we should treat other people, to see that how we ought to uh, function in society. You know, it, it's not going to last. It's not going to fix it until we start to look to the Holy Spirit who will teach us all things. He'll teach you how to live with somebody else. He'll teach you how to forgive. He'll teach you how to function. Amen? And not just in the church. He'll teach you how to live even in a broken world. He came to teach us all things. He came to bring things to your remembrance. Things that maybe that we've already learned, that we've kind of already given ourselves a pass on. He came to bring those to our remembrance. He came to testify of Jesus. He came to convict of sin. Now, that's important. And I'm taking all these from the passages of scriptures that we just read, right? He came to convict us of sin. What does that mean? He came to teach us what was wrong. And he didn't do it uh, just because 
you know, it hurt his feelings necessarily. And just because it was, he, he also teaches us what's wrong because he knows that to do wrong has a wrong ending. Sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth death. And I'm not talking about the death of God. You know, there are some, uh, there are some deities, you know, that were worshipped in times past. And, uh, and it was understood by, you know, by the indigenous cultures that the more that you would worship, the stronger that God got, the more active he would be. And it wouldn't even a matter of his favor. Like, but if you didn't make the sacrifices, if you didn't worship, if you didn't come before him and everybody worship him, then his strength literally diminished. Now, God is not diminished whether you think he's God or not. He's God. He don't need the blood sacrifice of a thousand people or lambs or anything to be God. He's still God. He doesn't need our worship and our praise. He's got multitudes of angels to praise him. He doesn't need it. The very creation, do you realize the Bible says that? Creation itself declares that he is God. Every tree, every wave, every mountaintop declares the might and the creative power of who God is. He doesn't rely on me. He doesn't need me to know who he is. But he wants me to know who he is, even as he knows me. He'll convict of sin. He'll teach us what is wrong. He'll convict of righteousness. He'll show us what is right and good and holy. You say, well, that, that, that one don't make quite as much sense. I know that he's going to tell us what's wrong. Well, he's going to tell us what's right, too. Right? And I tell you what, you might think, well, I don't need that. I mean, I, you know, it's, I, I can do right. And, you know, it's the wrong stuff that I no, I don't think so. I, I was thinking about that. And uh, if you think people always know what is good, explain how they crucified Christ in whom was no sin, only good. We're a lot more broken than we think. Amen? He'll convict of judgment. He will bring understanding to us what the stakes really are and inform us of that impending judgment. Amen? So um, I'm going to uh, preach just for a couple minutes more. If you'll just uh, give me a few minutes. I, I really want to deal with some, some kind of deep-seated stuff. There are a couple of spirits that are the natural enemies of the Holy Spirit. Amen? I'm going to have somebody come and play a little bit. Go ahead, Brother Michael. There are a couple of spirits that are natural enemies of the Holy Spirit. The spirit of religion is a natural enemy. What do you think when I say natural enemies? You know, th things that just fight against each other. Things, things that are contrary one to another and they cannot remain in the same place for very long. I got a couple of dogs like that. And they, and they can't be together. Now, I go into one and, and hang out with this one, and it's the sweetest dog you ever saw in your life. Good around kids, loves everybody. You know, it, it's, it just comes right up to me. It's never nipped or bit, bit at me, nothing in the world. But I tell you what, if I go in with the other one, it's just the same story. Sweetest dog in the world. But when they get together, there's a row, and I have to break it up. You ever, you ever, you ever see? They, they, they just naturally just cannot abide one another. And I don't know what it is right down in their DNA maybe, but they just cannot get along. But let me tell you something. There are some spirits that cannot coexist and get along. The spirit of religion is the natural enemy of the Holy Spirit. And Jesus came to set the record straight on the spirit of religion.
I'm gonna unload some stuff right here. The spirit of religion, he did. He came to rebuke it, to come against it. Jesus came to set that record straight and the Pharisees hated his guts to the point of perjuring their own beliefs to see him murdered. They didn't just hate him because he was contradictory uh, to the beliefs that they had. Say, well, I believe it's this way, and you're saying this way, and so I'm going to kill you. No, they actually perjured their own stuff. They, they even compromised on the stuff that they said they believed on to see him killed because it was a spirit of religion. Let me tell you, uh, you, know, a, uh, you know, an easy identifying mark of the spirit of religion that sometimes people will have. People with a spirit of religion, if they cannot control it, they will kill it. They, if they can't control it, they'll kill it. They'd rather see the church suffer. They'd rather see people suffer than be wrong or have it done a different way. See, the spirit of religion, it, it, it hates the prophetic voice. The Word of God said the Holy Spirit would tell us things to come. It, it would convict. It would say he would be beholden to no man. Listen here now. The Holy Spirit would be beholden to no man, no preacher. Not me, not you, not nobody. The Holy Spirit will declare truth and sin and judgment with or without the voice of the religious. Amen? It's important. The spirit of religion hates the prophetic. And here, you don't remember this, but uh, whenever the prophet Nathan comes in to rebuke David and tell him this story about the sin that he is doing, there are priests in there already. There are already, quote unquote, prophets in there. There are religious people who are already saying that everything's good, it's all good. How many times do we see that in the Old Testament? Jesus was a prophetic voice and the only one who could claim to be prophet, priest, and king. But sometimes we forget he was a prophet. He was a prophet. He overturned the tables. He rebuked the religious teachers. He revealed the whitened tombs filled with dead man's bones of people who said that they were something. He gave lie to the practice of showy prayers and extravagant giving just to make sure, you know, like we have those little uh, kind of like brass pans that we collect our offering in. And I always said, you know, the, the Pharisees, they, 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 they'd bring a hundred bucks and one it all in quarters so you could hear every one of them hit. Yeah. You know, whenever they would go on a fast, they would make sure that they just look so sad and drawn, put a little makeup in there and just so you see how I've not been sleeping good, not been eating. Oh, what was me? I'm so spiritual. That's how they were. And Jesus rebuked it. And then he sent the Holy Spirit to continue the work of rebuking the spirit of religion. The Holy Spirit is still here to do that job. And now I'm going to just you know, sink my teeth into this for the next six minutes-ish. And, I, and I, would, I would appreciate for you to just lean in because we need to really, really get a hold of this because it has to do with the identity of our church and what we are called to be, who we're called to be, how we're supposed to love people. Amen? So sink our teeth into it. Why do some people readily accept that the Holy Spirit doesn't speak and move in the way that he did? Because you look around, somebody who believes that the Holy Spirit still moves like he used to, 
you are in the minority a little bit in a lot of cases. Why is that? Why is that? Some people preach that he doesn't move, he doesn't speak, he doesn't teach, he doesn't bring to remembrance, he doesn't prophesy, he doesn't convict like he used to. Because we don't need him no more. We got it figured out. We got our, we got, we got our ways of doing things. We've got our, you know, our style of preaching and worship, our accepted liturgical books and passages that we can read through, and, and we don't need him to do what only he can do anymore. He doesn't speak the way he used to. Some people believe that. Some people preach that. And it's a hot-button topic. And I'll tell you why. It is because the spirit of religion is afraid of what he might say if he's given a voice. They don't want to hear that. They didn't want to hear Jesus either. Well, they nailed him to, to, to an old rugged cross. They beat him. They persecuted him. They hated him. They wanted rid of him. They didn't know that they were helping him to do his work because he came up out of that tomb, right? And he broke all of the things that they were trying to put together. So they didn't know that, but they didn't like him, though. They, they hated him. They, they came against him. They wanted to shut him up. Shut him up. That, that prophet uh, killed John the Baptist. Chop his head off. We don't want no more of that. We don't want to be convinced of our sin. We don't want our things to be brought to our remembrance. We've got this. The church in some parts and places today says, we've got this. We don't need any of that. They're afraid of what the Holy Ghost might say if he was given a voice. People, even the leaders, if the Holy Ghost shows up, are now accountable. I'm preaching a little bit. I said I was going to teach, but I'm preaching a little bit to you. Even leaders are now accountable to someone in the room who knows everything about us. Ugh. Right? You know, no wonder, no wonder some people don't want the Holy Ghost to move. No wonder they don't want to hear from him. No wonder they don't want him to have a free reign and to actually come in and start to, to deal with sin and, and for him to actually move like the Holy Ghost can move because all of a sudden there's somebody in the room. You're not in the driver's seat no more. He's not. I'm not. Nobody is. And, and he, we are accountable to him, and he knows everything. No wonder some people freak out and don't want no part of him because he came to preach, to teach, to convict, to reveal Christ. He came to set the record straight in some ways. Amen? It's a coin toss whether I'm going to share this right now or not. And I am. So this is not, you know, this is not something to be proud of. I'm just using it as a, as a lesson. You know, you, the Bible teaches us to turn the other cheek, not to get in fights, you know, and, and to come against one another. And, and bring, you know, I, I believe in protecting myself and protecting my family, but I also believe in turning the other cheek when it's a pride issue, right? Although that's easier said than done. I got into a fight one time. You ever been in a fight? Been in a fight. I got into a fight one time, and... Uh, you know, this is this is you know 16, 17, what years ago, a long time ago. Man, I'm getting old. Not really. Not that old. I'm gonna get yelled at by some people. I feel it, I feel it right now. Saying 15, 17 years ago, this is what happened. I got into a little bit of a fight, and uh, you know, it wasn't like you know some terrible, terrible tussle. But uh, and I you know, I was in high school, 
and I had a girlfriend. God hadn't revealed to me, you know, the glory of his plans in my life, in my beautiful wife. I had a little girlfriend, as many of y'all did, you know, girlfriend and boyfriend in high school, and there was a troublemaker, a bully, and he always made trouble everywhere he went. You know, it followed him just like a, it just followed him like a jet stream. Like he, he just made, he loved to make trouble. And he, uh, we were right in the mall and, you know, we, you know, American Eagle used to have those couches in there. I don't know if anyone know what I'm talking about at all, but they used to have like leather chairs like at this store in the mall. And, you know, and he just looked me right in the eye and put his arm around her. I've been your pastor, and I ain't been nothing else to most of you people. <laughs> so you don't know, you know, you don't, you don't, you don't. Um, he, he, he did that, and he looked me right in the eye as he did it. And I said, well, buddy, st- stop that. Get up from there and stop that. Stop doing that. Stop doing that. Yeah. I, I, I started bug, you know, like a computer. Stop that. Stop that. Yeah. <laughs> I was having a hard time computing my words and my, and my spirit. And, you know, he didn't. And I said, get up from there. And he said, he stuck his foot out and said, make me. And this is not good. Well, the children are downstairs, but anyway. And, and you know, because I was operating in sin. I pulled his leg out of there. I pulled him and, and I, I, I tanned his hide all across that store. And I, I don't know if I'm still not allowed to go in American Eagle in Dayton Mall because I got kicked out. I, I wore him out. Yeah, I did. I did. And then I went on to Bible school. I got right with the Lord, you know, and then, but, and then, you know, never really got around to asking forgiveness. I don't know how that, but uh, I, I, and then I came back, you know, and the Lord had done a work in my heart, you know, to where I, you know, hopefully would react, you know, differently. And uh, I went to a, uh, a church event and just kind of showed up because I was still a student, you know, far away, you know, states away. I was in Pennsylvania and then came back and showed up. And then I, I walked into, you know, it was a kind of youth rally. So they had, uh, they had food afterwards and then these long tables. You know how we do. We love to eat, right? Um, and so afterwards, there's long tables all set up. And then I kind of walked in. I'd gotten there late, walked in in the back. And then I, and I saw, you know, this young man sitting there, you know, with all his friends, you know, all the, all the, all, all the people, all my peers, you know, that I grew up with. And I walked up behind him, and I heard him telling the story of how he whooped Joe Parker. All over American Eagle. And I just, and everybody saw him but me, or everybody saw me but him. And I stood there behind him and just waited till he finished. You know, and he was, he was, he was demonstrative. I'll give him that. He was telling, he was telling it like it didn't happen, but he was, you know, it was exciting. I was, I found myself riveted. (laughs) I was excited to find out how it was going to end. And, uh, and then they all just let it play out. You know, their eyes got big, you know, they're all like looking at me. I'm standing right behind him waiting for him to finish his lie. You ever, anyway, (laughs) you you ever, you ever been there and and just, Finish that lie, because I know you're telling me a lie right there. That's, that is a frustrating 40 seconds. Um, and then I, and I just stood there. And then all of a sudden, he said, what? What's going on? And he turned around, and he saw me. And he got up, and he walked out, and he drove home. <laughs> he didn't say a word, because I was there to set the record straight. I wasn't going to whoop him again or anything. But he didn't have nothing to say. Let me tell you about 
this. The Holy Spirit is here to set the record straight. And he's been lied on. And sometimes what's needed is a mighty move of God to set the record straight. We need a mighty move of the Holy Spirit in our church to set the record straight. And let me finish what I feel really called to kind of bring it home, you know, and tell you. People have been lied on about God. There are some people who are so confused because of how they have seen things done and how people have acted who called themselves Christians and the judgmental spirit and just the hatefulness that has been perpetrated on people in the name of God. And let me tell you something. He came to set the record straight. He came to teach us. He came to reveal to us who the Father is. He is a good Father. He loves you. He died for you. And a lot of people have wound up the spirit of religion so that they can control, so that they can make themselves feel better about the hidden sins in their own life. There's a lot of shenanigans, amen, that have been done in the name of the Lord and he wants nothing to do with them. I tell you what, some people, you know, they're, they're sitting there and they're telling you or, you know, they're telling people, oh, yeah, well, this about God. And, you know, if you don't, you know, and, you know, God. And they're telling you all this fib. And all of a sudden, I just think that what we need is the Holy Spirit to come in and start to wipe away some of that nonsense and say, this is who God is. This is the fresh revelation. He came and he can do it. He can convict us from sin because sin's still wrong. Amen. But he don't need my lists to attach to it of what I think and my preferences. The Holy Spirit came to clarify, and he will not be silent. He will not be shut up. Brother Lenny, he won't be shut up. You're not going to do it. Now, we, you know, as, as churches do, you can shut him out, but all you've done is make it no longer the church. You've made it your playhouse. You know, it, it, it ain't no more the church than the VA. You know, nothing against the VA, but it ain't church, right? You, you've just made it your country club. You've made it your little social circle because once you shut out the Holy Spirit and what he came to say, we ain't the church anymore. And what we need is a fresh revelation of love, of truth, of grace, of sin, of righteousness, and of judgment. He is our helper. Amen. Let's stand. I told you that was going to be a little more of a teaching service. But I need him. I need him to set me straight. I need him to guide me and to teach me. Amen.